So I have a, a couple of questions, one for the Lord and one for me and therefore also for you uh, to wrestle with, reflect on, spend some time this morning. So the, the first question is, um, like, what's the deal with laughing? Right? Like, he says, woe to you who laugh now. When the Lord says woe, right, the word woe is like a curse, right? So woe to you who laugh now. It's like you are, you're cursed when you laugh. I mean, the other ones, we can ask the same question, like what's the deal with, 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 like, why is it so bad to be filled? Why is it bad when people speak well? Why is it bad to have wealth? All these things. But the thing that just like always catches my attention, right? And because maybe it's because I like to laugh. Uh, it's like, wh- why is this a bad thing? And what's more, right? Like, I mean, millions of people watching the Super Bowl this evening and, and the commercials make you laugh most of the time. And it's like, why? What's the deal with that, you know? And so I was, I was just spending some time thinking about this. And I'm not sure there's, there's a good answer. In some ways, like, there's something about this, that, about the gospel that is, like, we, we would do well to let it make us uncomfortable, you know, to not explain it away. And sometimes, sometimes we can do that with the, the more difficult passages, right? We can, we can do this, uh, you know, like when Jesus is saying, blessed are you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. Our mind can immediately say, well, in the gospel of Matthew, he says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. So that's my preferred interpretation of this passage is not that you actually have to be poor, but you know, that you have to be poor in spirit. Right? We can try to just like immediately pass, pass some of the, the more difficult sayings of Jesus off as though, well, we're now living in the 21st century and we have a much more sophisticated understanding of what Jesus was saying. And so we don't actually have to take what he says at face value. And, you know, I can just go on living my life and laughing all day long and having a great time. Right? We can sometimes do that. And I think... If we ever find ourselves having that tendency, we need to maybe caution ourselves a little bit, hit the brakes and say, well, maybe instead I should let myself wrestle with the word of God. Maybe instead I should actually bring it to prayer, bring it to Jesus and say, Jesus, what were you saying here? What was going on in your mind when you were saying this? And as I was wrestling with this passage specifically, like I said, around the laughing, this is kind of what came to my mind, is is that sometimes when we come to our relationship with Jesus, we can be focused primarily on one thing, And that one thing is that we want Jesus to make us feel good. Laughing is, I think, just the the pinnacle sign of that. But really, like I said, we could look at all of these. If If I have enough money to live securely, I can feel good about that. If I am filled, right, with a good meal or um, I have enough of, of worldly material things, I can feel good about that. If, if people are speaking well of me, right, I can, I can take that and it feels good when people speak well about me. When I laugh, 
right? It's just like, it's just such a pleasant feeling. And so I think just as I was, again, wrestling with this and praying with it, it's just like sometimes I can come to Mass and my disposition during the homily, Father, you better make me feel good this week. Father, you, like, you better be funny. Because if, if I don't laugh during the homily or if I don't feel welcome during the homily or if I, don't, if I don't walk away saying, that was really nice, then something must have gone terribly wrong and Father, it's probably your fault. Or sometimes this is how, and I'm the same way. When I, when I listen to preachers online, I'm the same way. If, if, if it wasn't something that, that made me feel good or it, it wasn't something that was pleasing to my ears, then I can sort of say like, well, that was just a bad homily or a bad sermon. And I think this is, I think this is what Jesus is getting at in, in some ways that, that he wants to sort of check our interior disposition a bit. And in fact, I think, so we, had, we heard from the Gospel of Jeremiah or the, the reading of Jeremiah, the book, uh, right? And he says, cursed is the one who trusts in human beings who seeks his strength and flesh, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a barren bush in the desert and then it talks about, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. Okay, so our reading ends with, with that, but it actually goes on. So if you go home uh, today and read Jeremiah 17, so our reading stopped at verse 8. Verse 9, I think, is really enlightening. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately corrupt. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the mind and try the heart to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. I think this is really enlightening, right? That the, the human heart is deceitful above all things and desperately corrupt, right? That's not, and that's, that's not saying that we, because we exist, we're automatically corrupt, but because we are born into original sin, we are born with sinful tendencies, our hearts, because of that, are deceitful and corrupt, and they can tend to lead us astray. They can tend, can tend to make us feel like, well, if I don't feel good, if I don't feel pleasant things, then this must not be right. But instead, what the Lord is trying to help us see is, is almost like the opposite. Uh, but not quite the opposite, right? Not that we should go about seeking unpleasant things, but rather what he wants to say is that even if things feel unpleasant, it's okay. In fact, there is an aspect, right? And St. Paul is talking about this. Uh, there is an aspect of, of like, in my walk with the Lord, right? If I am truly meditating on his law day and night and I'm delighting in his law, right? I'm putting my trust in the Lord. Then that means that sometimes there are going to be times uh, in my life, seasons maybe, or particular moments where I actually have to make myself feel uncomfortable because Remember, my heart is deceitful. My heart tends toward corruption. And so my heart tends toward things that are not of God. And so there are times when I actually have to put the brakes on my heart and deny myself the thing that I would naturally prefer so that I can choose to live my life for the Lord. 
And this is, this is why St. Paul is talking about this in our reading, that right, if, if for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are the most pitiable people of all. In other words, what he's saying is, is as Christians, as Catholic Christians, as Christian people in general, people who are following Jesus, right, we're recognizing that our hope our hope is that there is another life after this one, and that this other life after this one is the most excellent and most pleasant and most delightful life that, that could possibly exist, more than we could possibly imagine. But part of that looking forward, right, part of that hoping in this life over here means that I need to deny myself down here in order that I may follow the ways of the Lord and enter into life with him. And so it makes sense, right? If St. Paul is, uh, he's aware of this, right? Like if this over here doesn't exist, right? If there is no resurrection in the end, if there is no eternal life in the end, then we're all wasting our time by denying ourselves. Right? That's, that's what he's getting at. But then the next question, right, and this is, this is the second question that I sort of found myself wrestling with for myself, and now I think for all of us, is this question, right? Is, am I living in such a way that outsiders would look at my life and say, that poor guy, he thinks there's life after this. He's just wasting his time. Or, like, when people look at my life, do they see that, Maybe I just look like everyone else. I'm doing all the normal things. I'm, I'm just living my life. And oh yeah, I guess I believe in Jesus too. Right? Because if, if that's how I'm living, right, then I'm trying to ultimately live in two different worlds. I'm trying to both be filled and like live for God's blessings. I'm both laughing and seeking consolations for my flesh and pretending like that doesn't have an effect on eternity. Right? If I'm not living in such a way that people who are not Christians, people who are not living their life for Jesus, right? If I'm, if I'm living in such a way that they don't look at me and almost pity me because I'm, I'm so deceived that there's life after death, then I'm actually missing something in my life as a Christian. And this is something that I was thinking about, is that, so for, for the earliest Christians, right, uh, St. Paul and the, the the first few generations. Christianity wasn't like a legal thing, right? So you could actually be persecuted for following the way of Jesus. Like actually, like people were killed for it. People were thrown in prison for it. People were beaten for it and mocked. And, and like, like they were actually treated poorly because they believed in Jesus. And then Christianity became legal and pretty soon everybody embraced, most, not everybody, most people began to embrace this life of of the Christian, which not a bad thing. But what happens then is because like everyone in my circle around me is doing it, right? Then I just sort of do what everyone else is doing. But along the way, what happens is that because the human heart tends toward deception and corruption, pretty soon what can happen is that the people around me, while still calling themselves Christians, actually begin to live their life in a way that's not hoping in eternity. And when that happens, I can sometimes just go with the flow. And so I end up being part of the people that says that I'm a Christian, 
but I'm actually seeking material consolation all the time. And for, for those people, Jesus says, woe to you. Right? So I think, I think the, the reason I bring that up is because I think this is like a big thing that's going on in our world. There are millions of people who say that they're Christian, but are actually, like, if you look at their life, living for the comforts of the flesh, who are not actually hoping or living as though they're hoping in eternal life. They all expect that they'll go there, right? They all expect it. I mean, anytime somebody dies, right, it's like, well, at least now they're in a better place. It's like, we don't actually know. Right? And so what, what's, I think, required of us, maybe demanded of us in this day and age, and this is as much for me as it is for anyone, anyone else, is that we have to sometimes look at life critically. We have to actually be in the Gospels and be in the Word of God. And as we're reading them, to be able to look at my life and to look at the life of the people around me and to say, is there anything here that I'm missing? Are there any areas in my life that I'm actually not living as though I'm hoping in eternity? Are there any areas in my life that maybe I need to adjust? Any areas of my life that I actually have begun to compromise and give myself over to a spirit of seeking out material consolations? Again, it's not that the material consolations are bad, but sometimes if my focus becomes more on feeling pleasant things and feeling good about myself, if that's my focus, then what happens when things start to go poorly? My eyes are off of Jesus, and I just begin to feel miserable all the time. But instead, if, if I can keep my eyes fixed on the hope that is eternal life with God forever, then if in this life I begin to encounter things like disease or division or illness or, or anything that just doesn't feel good, then I can actually be okay with it because I can be confident that this isn't all there is, but that in fact, I hope in the resurrection of the dead and in the resurrection of the dead, everything is worth it. So I can actually be okay with having to make sacrifice here. I can be okay with having to deny my natural inclinations here. I can actually even be okay when there are problems in my life here because here is like nothing compared to there. And there is just so good and so pleasant. And that's what I live for. So as we hear these words from Jesus, right? Woe to you if you're seeking to be filled. Woe to you if you're seeking to laugh and feel good all the time. Instead, we can say, Jesus, I receive your woe. And I want to empty myself out before you. So rather, I can hear blessed rather than woe. 